Good morning. It's a beautiful Sunday in the Old Pueblo, and you're listening to KTDT Tucson. Thank you for spending a part of your brunch hour with us on your downtown Tucson community-sponsored rock and roll radio station. On this week's show, we're going to speak with Zach Yenser. He's a man who wears many hats in our community, and today the hat he's wearing is of a homeowner and an advocate for policies to promote affordable housing, especially in our urban core. Today is September 26th. My name is Tom Heath, and you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar. Each and every Sunday, our focus is on social, cultural, and economic impacts in Tucson's urban core. We shed light on hidden gems everyone should know about. From A Mountain to U Arizona and all stops in between, you get the inside track right here on 99.1 FM, streaming on downtownradio.org. Also available on your iPhone or Android. Simply head over to your app store and get our very own Downtown Radio Tucson app. And then we're in your pocket wherever you go. If you want to reach us on the show, our email is contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org. You can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. Our podcast is pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, including asking your smart speaker to play Life Along the Streetcar podcast. And all of our past episodes can also be found on our website, Life Along the Streetcar. And once again, you have to say it that way, Life Along the Streetcar. Well, our guest today is Zach Yenser, and we're going to get into his story in a moment. Uh, but we did his interview a little bit uh, in advance of a meeting uh, from a planning commission. And um, I wanted to give you the results of that commission, and then we'll lead into Mr. Yenser's interview. But the uh, there's a planning commission that held a um, virtual meeting on September 15th, and they uh, listened to speakers, they read written commentary, and after all of the input, the commission voted nine to one, I'm sorry, nine to zero, to recommend a proposal uh, for allowing accessory dwelling units um, to be on properties in the Tucson area. This would be a code amendment, and they also encouraged mayor and council to develop programs providing resources and technical support to make these accessory dwelling units, also known as ADUs, more affordable. Uh, the goal would be to put this plan, this code amendment into place and evaluate it over a couple of years to see how it impacts home ownership and impacts housing opportunities, costs, etc. Now, there certainly are some uh, considerations for this that uh, might be um, negative for some homeowners, but the overwhelming responses seem to be pretty positive. And our guest today is Zach Yenser. He's been on the show as uh, the host of his very own uh, radio show called The Tipping Point, where he's up to date on current affairs. He's the executive director for the Tucson Young Professionals. He's an active member in our community and someone whose opinion I value. And I've seen on Facebook a lot recently where he has been promoting um, different housing suggestions on helping affordable housing for all levels um, across the, the spectrum there, not just uh, the workforce housing, but affordable for anyone that wants to live in the downtown area, and that includes his uh, charge of young professionals. So I sat down with him. Uh, again, this was a couple of weeks ago, so it was right before this meeting on the 15th, and talked about the history of this uh, potential code amendment, as well as some other housing opportunities. So we've had you on the show as the executive uh, director of the Tucson Young Professionals. We've had you on as host of 
the tipping point on KVOI. I think we've had you on as a member of the Downtown Tucson Partnership Board. And uh, I think today we're talking about your capacity and um, as a homeowner and your research that you've been doing on, on housing and, and the impact of uh, some potential uh, code changes here in the city of Tucson. Is that, does that sound about right for you? It is, yes. I would say this is uh, my neighborhood association hat on today. I'm not speaking for Menlo Park Neighborhood Association in terms of a neighborhood position or anything, but as someone who's working on housing issues as a part of, um, you know, neighborhood association life in the urban core. Yeah, definitely getting a firsthand look at what's, uh, what's being considered at the city level right now. And let's set a little bit kind of a, some time frames here, cause this is a fluid discussion. It's ongoing. We're recording this. It's actually September 14th. I think there's a public meeting tomorrow, the 15th, Correct. and this is going to air on the 26th of September. So there's going to be a little bit of a gap in there. So we're going to talk about what we know today on the 20, on the 14th. And then if there's updates or changes between now and when this airs, uh, we can do that uh, on, the sh- on the show. I can just kind of edit that in there. Um, so it is a fluid conversation and, and lots of things uh, happening with that. But give us the backstory. What's before we get into these proposed changes, kind of where, where is this coming from? What's the, what's the, um, the thought process behind even um, making changes in, in the way um, uh, residential lots are used here in Tucson? Right, for sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, Tom, you and I go back in conversation a number of years. I think we can proudly or sadly say, one of the two, that we were kind of among the first group of people four, five, six years ago in Tucson um, that said, hey, we're heading towards a housing crunch, a housing crisis um, where um, supply and demand um, are not connected and in sync um, and where we aren't figuring out fast enough how to create the right kind of housing supply across a, across a spectrum of affordability. It's not just Section 8 uh, or workforce housing, but housing that is across a spectrum of affordability for different incomes. We're not doing that strategically enough, fast enough, and as Tucson was revitalizing, you know, coming out of the streetcar and Rio Nuevo and some of the buzz that was happening around Tucson, I think you and I were among the first to say, hey, wait a second, we have to think more strategically um, around housing. And to answer your direct question, something that I've become really interested in, in in Tucson and just in general, is that different market forces and funding structures and kind of how the housing market works in America today really centers around either the single family house and single family zoning or the big multifamily stuff, the apartments, uh, mixed use, so on and so forth. What's missing in the middle is what people call the missing middle. And that is the stuff that Americans used to make and used to do uh, in the early 1900s, your duplexes, your triplexes, your accessory dwelling units, your casitas, your granny flats. There used to be this whole middle ground that, you know, Joe and Jane uh, Jones were filling in America. And for whatever reason, we've now shifted to either it's one unit on a single family lot or it's this big uh, multifamily structure and we've lost that missing middle. And so enter accessory dwelling units, which, by the way, are not new to Tucson. People have said, hey, I have a certain size lot. 
uh, yard. Why don't I build, you know, a little, uh, a little flat for my mother-in-law or, you know, 500, 700 square feet for one of my family members to stay or to rent it out. Um, they just haven't been legal in Tucson up to this point. They've been done, but they haven't been legalized. And so, um, the city of Tucson, I think it was wise to do so. We'll see where it goes. But the city of Tucson started this zoning change process to basically legalize accessory dwelling units, certain sizes on certain lots. Um, that opens up the ability for better financing, uh, for nonprofits to also get involved and help um, uh, families across the socioeconomic you know, spectrum be able to build these and to in my words, allow more people to create more housing for more people because we just need more supply. And I think the exciting benefit of these, we can get into it here, is I think it's either creating more multi-generational housing or it also creates income property uh, for middle-class families in Tucson, all of which is noble, all of which is needed. And I think it helps to fill in some of that missing middle housing I talked about and I'll stop here after this, Tom, but I think what's interesting is that whenever we talk about how to create more housing for more people, um, especially in the urban core, all these different tools get talked about as if they are the only tool that can solve the problem. And so you get these existential conversations around, well, you know, are we relying on, a, on accessory dwelling units, ADUs, to solve housing in Tucson? No, it's one tool of what needs to be many in the toolbox to create more housing supply and the right kind of housing supply. And those both, both two things are needed. So that's, what's kind of going on. Um, we're talking on the 14th tomorrow on the 15th. It's a Wednesday in the evening. The planning commission is going to look at what the city of Tucson is proposing and they're going to make their final decision. And they've heard, everybody's heard a lot from the community pro and con if the planning commission green lights this, it then goes to Marin Council um, later in the fall of this year. And the hope is that Marin Council will also green light this and, uh, and get the ball rolling. Now, you, you study this quite a bit. Are you familiar with what's been going on across the country? Because other cities are dealing with this. Are they, are they doing the same thing? Are they taking different approaches? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's comforting in the sense that this is not a Tucson problem. Uh, this is an urban problem, right? And every, uh, I actually had a chance to hear uh, Ur uh, Richard Florida, one of the world's top urbanists. He said, every city, and we heard this in Tucson, Tom, every city thinks that they're going to be spared from the affordable housing crisis. And, um, and nobody does get to be spared, very, very few. So, I mean, this is happening uh, around the country. Um, you know, I, I have a, a really good friend who's done um, a lot of research on this, and I believe she was telling me about uh, Portland and Los Angeles, two cities that looked at the accessory dwelling unit uh, situation. And uh, Portland kind of overregulated it and put a lot of restrictions on, on what individual families could do around accessory dwelling units, and then uh, very few people took advantage of it. One of the things we've heard in Tucson that I know we hear around the country is a, a call for these accessory dwelling units to be owner-occupied, right? And so if the owner is not going to be a part of occupying them, uh, then, um, then the city you know, should not allow that to happen. The, the, the problem that I've, uh, that I've seen is that, is that banks want to see more options uh, before they will loan the money, 
um, as an example, um, or height, right? Maybe, maybe there needs to be, you know, the AD needs to be two story regulating that. Uh, if you put too many of these restrictions on, uh, and too many of these regulations, then what they found to be true in Portland is that very few people, people build them and they actually went, went back and had to amend their code. I believe this is Portland, uh, to be a little bit more open-handed. Um, I love what the city of Tempe has done. Uh, Tempe has basically looked at their entire community and said, okay, what kind of housing do we need across our spectrum of incomes and how much, uh, right? You know, we need 10 of this, 10 of this, 10 of this. Okay, go build it. And, you know, I think we're a little bit further behind in that in Tucson. I'd love to see um, not just a strategic plan around it, which I know is in the works, um, but you know, some of us have been talking for two or three years strategically about affordable housing, housing accessibility, housing affordability, and very few units are getting done fast enough. I think we're 10,000 units of affordable short here in Tucson. We're 150,000 short of workforce housing, your nurses, your firefighters, your police, your teachers. We're 150,000 units short um, for working families and working professionals across the state of Arizona. And that's a conservative number. Um, so, you know, I, I think we're, um, we're seeing some of those dynamics. Los Angeles, I'll close with this story. I believe it was Los Angeles, so those two uh, kept a, a more of an open-handed approach uh, on their accessory dwelling unit uh, zoning change. And they've seen tens of thousands of these develop. And the data points to um, not that these are being used for Airbnbs, which is, um, what we've heard, you know, these short-term rentals, we've heard this as the concern of what the worst case could be. Uh, the majority, whether or not you regulate it as owner-occupied, are owner-occupied. They're either income properties or, or, or they are multi-generational um, so that their family can, can move with them on that lot. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's a, great, it's a great tool. And like you said, Tom, uh, the ability to do more smart infill development and to allow it to be accessible to a greater diversity of people, I think is one of the best things we can do in this town. Whether you care about housing, whether you care about economic growth, whether you care about climate and sustainability, whether you uh, care about multimodal transportation, figuring out how to, here's the zoning you know, planning word, how to densify smartly is kind of the, you know, is the, is the, is the goal. And I think this goes a long way to doing it. That is Zach Yenser. He is, uh, among many things in Tucson, an advocate for affordable housing policies uh, that affect a wide swath of income levels. My name is Tom Heath. You're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. BK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. All right, let's finish up our interview here with Zach Yenser. Uh, again, the accessory dwelling unit amendment has been uh, passed from the Planning Commission to the, uh, the staff and mayor and council uh, as uh, favorable. 
And I also wanted to find out from Zach other programs he's heard in other parts of the country, including one that we had the opportunity here to create called Stackhouse, but they ended up uh, moving to Denver. So here's the second half of our interview with Zach Yenser. What are some what are some other things? You know, I'd, I'd kind of like to talk, if you don't mind, just briefly, like about Stackhouse, which I know ended up in Denver mm-hmm. versus here. But you know, tell us about some of these other creative ideas that are that are floating around on on how to sort of re reimagine or re envision uh, what housing looks like in an urban area. Right, right. Yeah, I think you know it, it's honestly to me kind of a shame that Stackhouse couldn't make a go of it here in, in Tucson. They were Tucson born and bred. Tucson had the opportunity to be kind of the, the first site of this and for a variety of reasons. And we can let them tell their story. It didn't get to work out, but they're in Denver and, and doing really well. And, and this vision was to provide us, uh, I don't want to say a tiny home, but kind of a tiny unit in the, in the, um, in the, you know, method of a, of, um, like a cargo, uh, like, a cargo like a cargo container yeah, size home. Yeah, refurbished shipping container. Yeah, and uh, it provides uh, a housing that you can move in and move out of. The goal is sites all around the country and the world. And uh, because of its size and because it was, um, you know, multiple units in kind of a stacked format in a frame, so stack house, then you are using height, you're using smaller units, you're getting better affordability. And but you can still live in the urban core, and it wasn't affordable section eight, but it was affordable in the sense of affordable to I think more people who make uh, around what Tucson's medium household income is, which is around forty five thousand. It's hard to make forty five k and live downtown right now, and so that was a really cool model. It was a for profit kind of market based um, model um, that was. Um, that was really cool. You know, look, at Tom, at the local level, it really comes down to zoning and regulation and permitting. The faster uh, and easier those three things are, it allows more people uh, to create more housing. You know, I get excited about mixed use, you know, where there's retail on the bottom and living up on top. Um, you know, allowing more people the opportunity to do these duplexes, triplexes, um, condos and townhomes, Tom, as well as kind of fits in that missing in that missing middle. Um, you know, at the local level, a lot of it comes around innovative zoning, faster permitting, uh, and lesser regulation. And then after that, what actually gets to be built often comes down to funding. And there's some interesting funding uh, models out there. I think I think Minnesota. I might need to fact check myself on this. Minnesota figured out how to basically, you know, how if your nephew goes to a private school, for example, you can uh, basically support him going to that school. And then it's, um, you know, it's a break on your taxes instead of giving the state or the federal or, or I'm sorry, the state money, it goes to, you know, a private education. Well, they figured out how to do kind of the same thing with like a, uh, with housing. In other words, you can allocate your tax burden towards a, uh, a housing um, kind of fund that the state can then use in partnership um, with local cities to provide more dollars for affordable housing. So I think there's some where some of the innovation is um, that could be really cool. Yeah, your uh, your crowdfunding through uh, tax taxes that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and I think when people start, I know there's a lot of um, pressure 
and public comment about developers needing to do things with affordable housing, but some of the things that you touched touched on, it makes it difficult when you've got certain burdens that are going to add certain costs to your project. And in talking to developers, there's many reasons why some of these units aren't being built because of what they end up needing to get out of it if they don't get some type of subsidy for right. for the construction of it. So it, it does certainly has a multi-layered effect. And on the, on specifically on the accessory dwelling units, just as we, we wrap up here, are, are there any specific objections? I mean, are there are there people lined up against this, or, or, or are you seeing most people in favor, just wanting to make sure that there's some structure or boundaries around it? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that, on the one hand, there's probably more support for this in terms of housing than we've seen, say, for maybe the Sunshine Mile. So the Sunshine Mile, speaking of innovation, was basically, you know, uh, if a, um, you know, a developer could opt in to uh, a different development option and get some benefits by providing uh, affordable units within um, within that uh, mixed-use development along the Sunshine Mile. So that kind of a density bonus, um, if you will. Um, but I've, on the one hand, heard people in support of this, but there are the naysayers out there. And, um, you know, the Planning Commission, my understanding was, well, they were really supposed to pass this on to Mayor and Council back in their July meeting. And they heard enough community concern that they kind of pulled back and said, let's give us another couple of months my understanding would happen, which is what brings us to September 15th. Um, but, you know, concerns that I've heard are, and I don't think this will be a very common occurrence, but the zoning change would allow you to build um, uh, up to 25 feet um, if that is what your lot is zoned for. And so there's concern around, well, what is a, what is a new two-story, you know, what would a two-story development, you know, as my neighbor, what would that do? Um, I, I, I think that's going to be not a common uh, occurrence, but there is a height allowance there. I've heard, you know, concerns about will this be short-term rentals? The data points to a minority of these units becoming short-term Airbnb rentals. Um, concerns about parking um, and, you know, will, will this, you know, just bring lots of cars and traffic um, on our streets? I think there's ways... Um, there's ways around that. I've heard, well, what does this mean for historic neighborhoods? My understanding is that whatever, if you're in a historic preservation zone or a neighborhood preservation zone, uh, all those requirements would apply to the ADU that you want to build. So it's not like you live in an HPZ or an NPZ, and then all of a sudden you have this kind of uh, reckless ADU being built. Um, concerns about, well, if we have really large lots, um, you know, do these become kind of mini dorm type situations where you have an ADU and other units on these large lots? And I'm reading some considerations of, of that as well. So there's a lot of here's the worst it could be. Um, I don't think the data points to that happening. I think the pros, you know, outweigh the cons. Um, but we have to honor we have to honor the cons as well and discuss all that could go wrong and try to make sure that whatever gets passed is is the is the best. Um, but we can always go back and edit as well. I think we get stuck trying to create perfect policy. There's no perfect policy. There's no perfect policy. And we'll link to uh, the planning departments. They've got some information, which I pulled off your Facebook page, about casitas in Tucson that talk about some of the benefits, like cool roofs and 
um, yeah. special dispositions if it's near uh, public transit and that type of thing. So um, we, we'll link to that. But, uh, Zach, I want to thanks for your time and energy on this. And if you want to hear more from uh, Mr. Zach Genser, you can tune in on just about what every day, right? Nine nine o'clock every morning. Every day, Monday to Friday, nine to ten on uh, AM ten thirty KVY The Voice. That's the tipping point. And if you are a young professional and you're not involved with the Tucson uh, Young Professional Network, you certainly might want to look up Zach and chat with him about those opportunities because that's driving a lot of the conversation about housing is that spectrum of affordability yep. that you keep referring to. Zach, I'll uh, be looking for updates here after the uh, the meeting, and I'm sure we'll be touching base later in the fall about uh, some updates. In the meantime, uh, appreciate your time and, and all your efforts on this. Sounds great. And, Tom, thanks for all that you do for the community. We appreciate it. That was Zach Genser. And if you want to learn more about these accessory dwelling units and uh, what the planning commission proposed, uh, we'll have some links on our Facebook page right after the show. Well, my name is Tom Heath, and you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio 99.1 FM and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. This podcast is sponsored by the Mortgage Guidance Group and Nova Home Loans. If you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening or head over to lifealongthestreetcar.org for all of our past episodes, current events, and things to do while visiting Tucson. Tom Heath, NMLS number 182420. Nova, NMLS number 3087. VK number 0902429. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, and while you're over there getting your swag on, why don't you check out all of the lineups that we have from our different volunteer DJs. Um, you know, we've been uh, putting safety protocols into place, opening up the studio. We've seen a return of some of those DJs that uh, weren't able uh, to uh, broadcast remotely. They're now being able to join us in the studio. We've had some new ones join us. Uh, you can check out all of that on downtownradio.org. And... Um, I really encourage you to do that. Really amazing people putting together this station, all volunteers, as we mentioned many times. And as a reminder, at 1130, every Sunday following our show is Ted Prozelski with Words and Work, where he interviews writers and others from uh, the labor movement. We actually had Ted on our show a few weeks ago talking about his uh, his concept and some of his guests in... Um, very fascinating man, very, uh, very fascinating story. If you went over to our page lifealongthestreetcar.org, put his name in there, Ted Prozelski, or words and work in that search function. You should pull up the uh, the story we did just a few weeks ago. And if there's something you want us to cover, hit us up, contact at lifealongthestreetcar.org, and uh, we'd love to cover a hidden gem that you share with us. Uh, you can even tag us on Facebook or Instagram about a story you think is interesting, and we'll, we'll dig into it. Well, today we talked with Zach Yenser about housing. So we thought we'd leave you with a, a little housing music. This is a song from 2014 by Deacon Blue. The album and the song have the same name. It's called New House. Well, my name is Tom Heath. I hope you have a great week and tune in next Sunday for more Life Along the Streetcar. All those places where the wild things grew All the fields you used to run through Summer stretches up for seven weeks in June was there more life, more time than he ever knew?